Well, good morning. It is a privilege and blessing for my wife and I to have been here this weekend, uh, get to enjoy this being a part of Missions Fest. Uh, we've got to kind of share and talk yesterday, just talking some about evangelism and disciple making and hearing from other missionaries uh, that, are, that are serving around the world with a specific focus on Europe. As I said a second ago, we're talking to Pastor David, like there's, a, there's, a, there's an aspect where people just don't understand why does Europe need the gospel? You see, my wife and I, we started, we left 13 years ago to go to the mission field. We left our jobs and our families and everything that we knew to go serve the Lord. Gave up everything because we wanted to serve Jesus. And God led us to go to Indonesia, the largest Muslim country in the world. And we were excited, my wife and I. My wife had never been there, and I actually had actually worked there before. Um, I went to another school that some of y'all may have heard of, Texas A&M. Um, we did beach all last year. We won't talk about that. But I went to that school, studied agriculture development, very similar to Anna's story a second ago. And I, God, in God's grace, allowed me to go to Indonesia to work. Now, as we were wrestling through missions and what does that look like, God opened a door for us through the IMB to go to Indonesia. We ran an agriculture farm there. We did projects with goats and fish and um, did some Bible training. We wanted to plant churches in various villages and see God do awesome things. So we get over to Indonesia, and it's awesome. We spent the first year learning the language. Um, loved being there and really loved working on this farm. But you see, uh, just a, about a year in, uh, I get sick. I get some kind of tropical nastiness. Amoebas, worms, parasites, nastiness live inside my body. Um, I had dysentery, all those nasty things. But the, the, one of the bad things, I, my body was just shutting down. Like I was just passing out all the time. And so we battled through that for a long time, for about two years. And in God's providence and, and wisdom and lots of counsel and work and prayer and all that, God moved us to Manchester, England. Never in my wife's wildest dreams would he have thought that God would move us to Manchester, England to be missionaries. I mean, why would we be in England, an English-speaking country, a place that has sent missionaries for hundreds of years, a place that has churches everywhere? Most of their, or a lot of their church buildings are older than America. Why are we there as missionaries? You see, when my wife and I landed there, we were struggling for the first few months. We couldn't see. We knew in God's providence and through prayer and through wisdom and through our churches and support of the IMB, we knew God had led us there. But we still struggled with, God, what does this look like practically? Like, I'm walking the streets and I'm seeing these churches and these buildings and the stained glass that's telling the stories of the Bible. And so my wife and I began prayer walking and meeting people. We had our oldest son was born in Indonesia, so he was a year and a half at the time. So my wife's at parks and meeting people and trying to engage and trying to get to know people. But we really just didn't have a heart for why Europe? Why England? Does the gospel really need to be here? Indonesia, the largest Muslim country in the world, we're engaging people with the gospel, seeing God do amazing things, seeing churches being planted, and now we're in England. The only thing before we moved there about Manchester I knew was Man United. I'm a huge Man United fan. I, my boys are now all corrupt, and they do like Man United as well. But that's the only thing we knew about Manchester. But you see, as we begin getting to know people, as we begin just understanding the culture, uh, one of the things that I did, I grabbed every book I could on Britishness and European cultures and worldviews and just to try to understand who they were. One of the books that fascinated me, I grabbed this book, it's called Watching the English, written by an English anthropologist, not a Christian, but she writes this in this little section on religion about their people. And she says this, she says, we're not a country of atheists, nor we agnostics, because both of those require a degree of interest in whether or not there's a deity. 
enough to question or reject the notion. Most English people just aren't bothered about it. And when I read that, it struck a missionary, just gospel chord in my heart that these people don't know the gospel. They don't know the left hand from their right hand. And as my wife and I began hanging out at more parks and meeting our neighbors and talking to people on university campuses, most people just didn't care. Well, my wife and I describe this all the time is it's just this apathy. There is just an apathy towards the gospel. And as we look at this word apathy, one of the, one of the other phrases you can think about is just indifference. Just an indifference to, to, to the gospel or to religion. It's a fascinating thing. It's not, we're not talking about just Christianity. This is also to Islam, to Hinduism, to Buddhism, to Sikhism. They're just indifferent. As we're seeing the rise of the next generations, there's even just more of a, of a just apathy towards uh, religion. And that doesn't mean that people aren't spiritual. It just means they're not pursuing some of the, the religions of the world. And so my wife and I were just like, okay, God, we see. We see the need for the gospel. And now we've devoted 10 years of our lives. We've spent six years in Manchester and then in three years in London. And loving and trying to, to share the gospel with people all across Europe. And let me tell you, God is doing a mighty work. And it is amazing to see what happens. But if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Be diving briefly into Acts chapter 17. Uh, one, of the, one of the passages that, that is really just, I love, it, it's been a blessing to my, my own soul for, for, for many, many, many years. Just as we walk through Paul's life and see Paul and his missionary journeys as he's going to town to town to place to place. Sometimes he left towns because they were throwing rocks at his back and it just didn't feel good. Um, sometimes his, his, his fellow companions said, hey, we need to escape from the city and move to somewhere else. Sometimes they were actually, many people came to faith and so he was moving on to another place. Well, today in Acts chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 16, he's in Athens. So Paul is here in Athens, and this is what we see what Paul gets to do. My wife and I were blessed to be in Greece a a couple years ago, and we actually got to stand right here where Paul is, giving this, this, this sermon to really just tell them about who Jesus is. This is what it says, Acts chapter 16, or chapter 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens... His spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplaces every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And, and they took him, or he took hold of him and brought him to the Oropagus. And they said, may we know of this new teaching that you're presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spend their time in nothing except for telling and hearing of something new. So Paul Standing in the midst of the Oropagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. For as I passed along and observed the object of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not need to live in temples made by man. 
nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live in all the face of the earth, having determined a lot of periods and times and boundaries in their, their dwelling place, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and the imagination of man, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went from their midst. But some men joined him and believed among whom were Diosinus the Oropagite and a woman named Demarius and others with them. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We pray as we dive into this passage briefly, Lord, that you would just constantly remind us of your truth. Lord, we are blessed to see um, just how Paul was, was just using and praying and asking for you to use him for your glory. And he's in Athens. And Lord, we pray as in Gainesville and, and across the world, you would use us for your glory. Lord, that you would open our mouths to speak like Paul speaks. Lord, telling nothing but Christ. Lord, may we proclaim the truth and may we proclaim Jesus and the resurrection so that people may repent and believe. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this morning, the, the, the question that I want us to be just wrestling through and thinking through and, 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 and just pondering on is, is, are we engaging people with the gospel? And to make it more simple, like, who are you engaging with the gospel? Like, put a name to that. Put a face to that. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, my church does that. Oh, we go on a mission trip every year, and that's what we do. No, no, who are you engaging with the gospel? Because you see, Paul here is giving us an example. He's, he's, he's traveling, and he's, he's going to Athens. And I think for us, we can remind ourselves that a lot of you won't be traveling. A lot of you will be right here. This is home. This is where you live. And so what does it look like to actually take some of these principles and take some of the things that Paul's doing here to apply those to right here, right now, where you live, where you work, where you go to school, where you enjoy and spend your time? And so Paul, one of the things that he does, he's right here in Athens. He goes to the synagogue first. Paul, a Jew, he knows the Old Testament. He knows the Jews. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He, he knew these people. He knew their arguments. He knew what their questions were. He knew how to answer those. And so he goes to the synagogue and wrestles with them. He uses the phrase, he reasons with them. But not only that, every day he goes where? To the marketplace. And who is at the marketplace? Those that happen to be there. Now a question for us, what does that look like in today's terms? 2021, I know we're in a pandemic. I know COVID exists. I, that, that's fine. But where were our everyday places? My wife was talking about that just a second ago. 
I'm a coffee drinker. I love coffee. So as I'm at a coffee shop, as I'm enjoying my coffee, do I actually have a conversation with the barista? Do I actually dialogue with them? Do I actually know that they're a real person, a real human being? Or do they just serve me coffee? One of the fascinating things that God does constantly remind me all the time, as my wife was sharing a second ago, is as we go out, are we praying? Are we praying for God to open doors? Are we praying, as Paul, every day in the marketplace, those who happen to be there, buying, selling, trading, doing their thing, as Shane goes out every day, as Lindsay goes out every day, as you go out every day, are you praying that God would use you? There's two words my wife and I use all the time, and I think she said it earlier, but it's being purposeful and being intentional. Are we purposeful and intentional about what we do? And are, and are we bathed in prayer saying, God, just help me. Help me to talk and to communicate with people. And so as I'm talking to the barista, as I'm, as I'm trying to, to, to get to know them, am I willing to actually hear their story? Am I actually willing to ask them questions? Am I actually willing to talk about who I am? Because this is fascinating. I think oftentimes we go to the coffee shop. So let's say tomorrow, Monday morning, I go to the coffee shop. I grab coffee. And we have a short little exchange. Hey, how was your weekend? What'd you do? And oftentimes, this is what we Christians say. Oh, it was a great weekend. Uh, I, I watched college football. Uh, I, went to a, I went to a birthday party. Uh, I did awesome things. You're all sitting in church right now. I don't know if you know that or not, but you're in church right now. But that's generally the last thing that comes out of our mouths. No, I was at church on Sunday. I got to see some of my favorite people in the world. I got to worship God. I got to hear a decent sermon. But I got to be at church. I love church. I love Jesus. But why is it that oftentimes, me included, struggle with, and I'm talking to that barista who I don't even know, can say, oh, I watched a college football game. Oh, college basketball is going on right now. I'm watching that. Did you see the game? Did you, did you catch it? And we forget church. We forget our love for Christ. We forget what we hopefully spend a lot of our time doing, reading the Word and praying and going to Bible studies and longing to be in the presence of the Lord. And in everyday life, we're not engaging with people in a simple way to help them know that Jesus is the most important thing in our lives. And so Paul continues on. Or at, the, at the very beginning, he sees the city full of idols and I think one of the things that we sometimes often forget as, as, as modern Christians is, is we think about idols. I mean, I, I've traveled the world. I've been blessed. I've been all over the world. Uh, I've seen the different religions. I've been to the different temples and mosques. Um, and I think sometimes we think of the word idol, and we think of, oh, this graven image, this, this statue of Buddha, either the fat Buddha or the skinny Buddha. There's two different ones. But that's what we think about when we think about idols. Those are idols. We, 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 we in the West, we in Europe, we in America, we don't, we don't have idols like that. We don't, we don't bow down and worship some stone. But do we have idols? I mean, I think we oftentimes kind of sometimes miss some of this, but no, we have lots of idols. I mean, I got an iPod sitting up here. I got an iPhone in my pocket. Um, we have lots of idols. Idol is something that takes our devotion away. And in a Christian sense, it's taking our devotion away from the Lord. That what are we devoted to that actually distracts us and we actually bring glory to that rather than to God? We have lots of idols. And so Paul in Athens, he's going and I see the city full of idols. Us in Gainesville or Texas or London or Ireland. Idols, sports, stadiums, Apple, Microsoft, 
idols that, that attract us and hone us in and control us. A city full of idols. And so Paul's reasoning with them. And one of the fascinating things that I've wrestled through for a long time is this, this idea of reasoning. And I'll have to confess, like God's had to work on me. Um, while I like to think that I'm perfect and, and God's given me the gift of pride, I'm just not. Um, and so God's had to work on me a lot. And, and actually being 13 years in the mystery field, God's, God's done an amazing work and he still continues to do amazing work. But one of the things that you probably know, I don't have a problem talking. I probably talk too much at times. I have no problem talking. And so when I'm dialoguing, when I'm conversing, when I, when I want to share the gospel with somebody, when I want to engage and be with somebody, I can talk all day long. I can tell them the gospel. I can tell them that Jesus is the only way. I can tell them that, that Jesus is, is, is the Lord, that Jesus died for our, our sins, that you're a sinner and you need him, that he actually rose again. I can talk about the resurrection as Paul does here. I could talk about God being the creator of mankind, as Paul is, is arguing, that he doesn't need anything. He's created everything. He's created you. And I can tell people all these things. But one of the things that I've learned is, am I willing to reason with people? And I think part of this term that we see here that Paul is using is he's actually dialoguing with them. And I think one of those things that we've had to learn, and I personally had to learn, is how do I ask good questions? And how do I actually meet somebody and actually not just verbally throw up on them the gospel and everything else without actually listening to what they're asking or listening to where they're struggling or actually hearing their story? One example of this is, is in Manchester. So 10 years ago, we moved there um, by God's grace, uh, messing with people. So one of the guys, that um, Duncan, he's in, he's in Ireland, a church planter, guy that we're partnering with. And uh, one, we're praying right now that God would lead us to Ireland to go plant this church with him. Anyways, Duncan's one of the first students I met. Duncan and some other guys and I, we were on the University of, of Manchester's campus kind of speaking to students. There's a group of Christians that were kind of doing like an apologetics, almost kind of like, hey, we'll talk about Christianity. And anyways, my buddy and I afterwards said, hey, we will set up and go to a coffee shop. And every Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, you can meet us there. And it's pretty much ask a Christian anything. So come with the questions, come with your arguments, come with your debates, and we'll be there. We'll, we'll come and answer your questions. Anyways, my buddy and I went there. First Tuesday after this kind of event, um, nobody showed up. We're like, pretty good event. We're pretty awesome. Um, second Tuesday we went, nobody showed up. So, humbling, fine, it's okay. So, we're like, okay, nobody wants to know any questions or has any questions about Christianity. Fine. So, anyway, so we stopped doing that. My wife and I were at a dance. Um, we're good Baptists. We do go to dances and things like that. So, we're at a college student kind of ministry thing. We're at this dance, and this girl comes up, and she says, hey, I saw you a couple months ago at this event, and you said that you were going to answer any questions that people had about Christianity. She said, I went to that cafe, and you weren't there. Um, I said, well, we were there two weeks. Nobody came, so we stopped it. And um, Anyways, I said, hey, but if you still have your questions, we're willing to answer those. I'm willing to meet up. We can go and chat about that. So Duncan and I, this guy I was telling you about, this Irish guy, we met at a coffee shop, and this girl, Rihanna, came, and she literally sat down at the table, pulled out 100 typed questions out of her briefcase. PhD student, brilliant, Muslim background from Iran, and just didn't know what Jesus was or who Jesus was. Didn't know the gospel. Her desire, her goal was to convert Christians to Islam because we had it all wrong. Like, we have it all wrong. Looking at our 100 questions, I said, we will answer all of those. Probably not today, but we will get to your questions. And so Duncan and I began just chatting and answering and talking about the gospel and talking about who Jesus is. The Trinity, that's a complicated one. We take that one for granted. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, that's a hard one. Yeah, we can talk about that later. But 
all these questions that they have wrestling with. She started coming over to our house, my wife and I, and a group. We started a Bible study. And in God's grace and in God's providence, Rihanna became a believer. Rihanna is one of our best friends. She's actually like a daughter to my wife and I. We love her dearly. Um, she moved to London and lived with us for a couple of years. Um, she is just an amazing woman of faith who converted from Islam, one that studied Quran for 25 years of life, wore head of covering for 25 years of life, and came out of darkness into light because of the gospel. But the question for us is, are we willing to sit with them to dialogue? Are we willing to look at them with clear eyes to see, maybe it's the head covering, maybe it's the, the Muslim background, maybe it's the atheist, maybe it's the agnostic, maybe it's the Buddhist, maybe it's the person that's just nothing, that doesn't believe in anything. Are we willing to dialogue with them about the gospel? I think one of the beautiful things that Paul does here is, 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 he's, is, he's, is he's every day in the, in, the, in the marketplace and reasoning with them. Just anybody who happened to be there. He, he argues with them about Jesus and the resurrection. I don't think you've thought about this. I think sometimes we can easily speak about Jesus. But sometimes we don't bring up some of those controversial things. I don't know if you know, but the resurrection is pretty controversial. Most people don't have necessarily a problem with Jesus living, uh, maybe being a person, being God, yeah, that's another thing. But rising from the dead, that's different. Are we bold enough to talk about the Jesus of the Bible? Later, Paul goes on to, again, some controversial things depending on where people stand. But God created everything, that he made the world and everything in it. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't live in temples made by human hands. He doesn't need anything. And he gives life and breath and everything. And I think sometimes we lack boldness. And my prayer, my hope for us is that we gain this boldness. And again, it comes to the Holy Spirit. We've got to pray. We've got to seek the Lord. And again, some people look at us as, as my wife and I as professional missionaries. I mean, we get paid to tell people about Jesus. Y'all think it's easy for us because we're getting paid. It's not always easy for us. We have the same fear of man. We have the same struggles. I have the same kind of probably sometimes that y'all may think about. Am I going to give them the right answers? What if they ask me this? I don't even know what I'm going to respond. Why do bad things happen? Why does God allow that to happen? But I think in wisdom and in grace and as we seek the word and as we know the word more, that we're able just to sit with people and just walk with them through scriptures and answer their questions. Another example that I love is, is we're in Manchester as well. This is a couple years later. Um, we meet this guy. He had actually come to the church and, um, that we were attending, we were part of. And he was there, uh, again, Iranian, Muslim background um, guy, and just felt like he needed questions answered. Didn't know what was going on. So he came, he was there, and basically the pastor began walking through Christian Explorer. I don't know if anybody's heard of Christian Explorer. Walking through Christian Explorer, a great kind of little um, six-week course to kind of wrestle through who Jesus is, the gospel, what it looks like, what does it mean. And then Rihanna, an Iranian girl, because they spoke Farsi, able to kind of answer different questions, um, kind of wrestle through different things from the Quran, um, what does the Bible look like, and things like that. And then me, I got to meet up with them. Second time I met him, I met him at church, and I was like, Benny, let's go get coffee. I mean, we had been working with Muslims and Iranians, so I was like, hey, Benny, let's go, let's go get some coffee. Met Benny at a coffee shop, and we sat there. You know what I did for two hours of sitting there? I just blasted Benny with questions. Benny, tell me about your life. Benny, where are you from? Benny, tell me about your family. Benny, what do you like? 
Unfortunately, he told me like Man City. That's controversial, but it's okay. And so then he just began telling me about who he was. He began just sharing his story, 11 brothers and sisters. And this has been hard for me because I like to talk like I told you. I like to share my story because I think a lot of us like to talk about ourselves. And are we willing to just dialogue and ask questions? So Benny and I just chatted. Then Benny becomes coming to Bible studies, becomes coming to our house. He's doing his Christianity Explored. He's, he's involved in some of the mission teams like yours that come out. And so Benny's walking with us for months and months. And I remember one night, never forget this night. Benny calls us out to church one night. He's like, hey, Shane, I need to meet up. Something's going on. I really need to meet up. And I was like, Benny, I, I just can't tonight. I've got something already planned. I've got something going on with family. I, I've got, I can't. Let's meet Monday or Tuesday. I'm free. Anyways, he texted Rihanna, same thing. He's like, Rihanna, hey, I really need to meet with somebody. Can we chat? I, I got something going on. I, I really need some questions answered. Uh, Rihanna's like, I got some. I'm busy tonight. I can't do it. I can meet you for this week, but I can't do it tonight. Calls Matt, the pastor. He's like, Matt, I need to meet with somebody. Hey, I, just something's going on. I need to meet with somebody. I need to talk to somebody. Matt's like, I can't do it tonight. I can do it this week. We can meet up. Then he goes home in despair. Goes home to his small little studio flat. He gets there and he's like, if Shane wasn't here, if Rihanna wasn't here, if Matt wasn't here, who would I talk to? He said, God, Jesus. He gets down on his knees because basically what happened is the Holy Spirit was stirring in him to believe in Jesus. Got down on his knees and prayed to receive Christ. I wasn't there. It was awesome that he was so moved by the Spirit that he got to call out Jesus' name for the first time in his life. But it's a reminder to us, are we sowing seeds? Are we faithfully proclaiming the gospel? Are we going out into the cities and into the marketplaces and into things like the synagogues? Are we proclaiming the gospel to those around us to see God do amazing and awesome and transforming work? You see, Paul here is helping us to see uh, how he's using context and contextualization is one of the things we wrestle through sometimes. We don't have time to go into that. But, but we're seeing how God uses Paul to, to bring the gospel and to lay it out. And he, and he calls them to repent. Calls them to repentance. And it's fascinating. It says some mocked him. Some mocked him. And we, we, we get that a lot. Some think we're, people even think we're idiots. A um, phrase that I hear all the time in Europe is, Christianity was a failed experiment. Hmm, that's a little tough one. People think we're crazy. But, just as Paul in Athens, some believed. Some believed. Are we willing to share that gospel? Last thing as we close um, pulled this off the wall over there. Actually, Pastor Zach, he told me he's the minister of fun. Uh, that's a pretty cool job. He's a minister of fun. I need to find a church like that. Anyways, he pulled this off the wall from us. This is, this is over there in the little London section. This is a, one of your teams that came out and served with us in London two years ago. Uh, you see Fleet up in the corner. Um, i trying to think. Molly's in there. There's a couple other people from your church there. Um, and so here's, this is in our home in, in, in London. This is our living room. We were doing a, I'm guessing we were doing a Bible study there. We did a lot of dinners, barbecues, Bible studies, different things. Um, one of the fascinating things is one of the girls in this picture, um, named Sarah, uh, she was there in London as a university student. Um, she would she talked to my wife just a year ago. Um, darkest times in her life there in London as a university student. But yet she came along to some of our events. We did gig nights and music nights, things like that. We had dinners and things at her house. And so trying to love on her, trying to share the gospel with her. And, and let me be honest, it was difficult. It was difficult at times. 
I mean, really just didn't think she had any desire for Jesus or the gospel at all. Anyways, I remember last night, um, I'll have to confess, it was pretty angry. She, she had to move some stuff around before she flew out the next day. And uh, I was telling my interns, I was like, I'm exhausted. I've got four little boys. I've got to take care of her family. Um, okay, we, we, me and my interns helped her get her stuff around, packed, and moved from apartment to apartment. And she flew out the next day. Anyways, last we heard of her. Last year, she calls my wife. And she was like, I've got something to tell you, Lindsay. I just became a believer. I just accepted Jesus Christ. I got plugged in when I got back to Australia, and I'm just, I'm getting baptized. And I think sometimes we meet people, we hang out with them, we share the gospel with them, we love on them, we pour into them. And actually, she's in Australia. She's not here. We don't get to necessarily see the fruit. This is a blessing. We actually get to hear about the fruit. And a team like yours out there serving with us, loving people to the gospel. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this brief, brief opportunity to just open Acts 17 and to wrestle with what Paul is doing in Athens. Striving to proclaim Jesus in the resurrection. Striving to let people know that Jesus is alive. Lord, I pray for us right now, right here in this room. Lord, who are we engaging with? Lord, is that a family member? Is that a neighbor? Is that a coworker? Is that a fellow student on the campus? Lord, who do we need to share the gospel with? And then also, Lord, as we live life, as we go out every day, as we go to the coffee shops, as we play sports, as we do music, as we live life, are we engaging people with the gospel? Lord, help us to pray better. Help us to be purposeful and intentional better. Lord, help us to be compelled by the love of the gospel, by the love of you that we go out and we love others and share the gospel with others. Lord, we are so thankful for this church. We are so thankful for this church deploying and sending their people out of these doors, walking out of these doors and going into the world to be a light for the gospel, for the glory of Christ. May we live for you. It's in Christ's name we pray.